So the, the seven ingredients really to us, and the reason why we have a Facebook group called The Seven Ingredients, why we refer to it so much, is to have a common understanding from, from consultant to client on where you are and, and what kind of work you want to do. Hi, I'm Joel Pilger, and you're listening to episode 57 of the RevThinking Podcast. Today, we begin a new series walking through the seven ingredients of the creative firm. Welcome to RevThinking, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. This is the conversation between creative leaders and consultants discussing what it really takes to run a thriving creative business. Hello from London. It's Joel. I'm here with Tim Thompson. And we're here working with not only a couple new clients on the other side of the pond, as we're fond of saying, but we're also here scoping out cohort venues. So more on that later. Uh, Just a quick peek where we're heading today. We're starting a new series, and this is going to be a series about the seven ingredients of the creative firm. So this first episode today is an introduction, but we're eventually going to walk through all seven of the ingredients. First, let me get to a couple of announcements. What is going on in the world of RevThink and what should you know about? Uh, First, I mentioned a moment ago that cohort is coming to London. So this is the quarterly cohorts of creative entrepreneurs. This is basically a full evening mastermind once every quarter where you and your peers running studios, agencies, and production companies all get together for a full evening and dinner along with a special featured guest and a RevThink host such as me or Tim or someone else from RevThink world. Our London event, we're going to kick off on January 17th in the new year. And I'm excited to say our special featured guest is none other than Blair Enns of Win Without Pitching. For those of you that know Blair and his work, he is quite a thought leader. And I'm excited to have him come and speak with us about his new book. I guess not so new right now, but his book, Pricing Creativity, which I think is pretty much pure genius, as well as his win without pitching philosophy and methodology. How does that apply in the world of studios and production companies and the like? For those of you that are interested in attending, it is invitation only, so you should be on the lookout for an invitation. But if you don't get one, or you would like to make sure that you're going to receive one, just go to revthink.com, go down to the bottom of the page and send us a note and say, hey, I want to take part. I want to be there. Let's see. Other announcements. Uh, Some upcoming podcasts. I am about to record a podcast with my friend Chris Doe. Now, Chris, uh, you might know as the leader at The Future, but he also runs Blind, which is a motion design studio, um, but has been through a lot of changes and evolutions through the years. So I'm really, really looking forward to talking with Chris about his career and all the changes he's been through what's happening at Blind, and of course, what's going on at the future. Also, School of Motion. I was just interviewed by Joey from School of Motion on their podcast, and I think it's going to be a really great episode. I really had a great conversation with Joey, and he's an excellent interviewer, uh, and the topics that we covered really covered the gamut of business and what it's like, you know, to run a creative business, motion design studio, all that. A lot of that meaty stuff that uh, 
especially the the younger generation wants to know about what's it like running a bigger studio that might be five or 10 or $50 million a year in revenue. And there's also lots of good stuff about my story and my background and how I got to be where I am. So look forward to that being released. Keep your eyes out for that. Last announcement is Jumpstart, that our next accelerator is ramping up. We're going to be doing enrollment here in the weeks ahead, and the next class is going to begin in January of 2019. So it's only, what, a month and a half away, let's call it. But I am, of course, always excited to welcome a new batch of students and members into Jumpstart as we go on this 60-day rapid-fire journey to take these studios that perhaps are in the painful season and we help push them to the next level with improved marketing and positioning and sales and all that good stuff. So be on the lookout for that as well. If you have any thoughts, questions, feedback, want more info, go to RevThink.com and you should find everything you need there. Okay, to today's episode, Tim Thompson and I here in London, we said, you know what? We got to walk people through what are the seven ingredients? Because we talk about these things all the time. But you may be wondering, what do we mean by that? And what are the seven ingredients? And then, of course, we want to spend time in subsequent episodes going through them one by one. So what do we mean by creative? And what do you need to know if you're running a business in the ingredient of creative? And then we'll get to production, then marketing, then sales, and we'll just make our way through all seven So I think you're going to find this series uh, helpful and illuminating to learn all about what's required in each ingredient for your studio to thrive over the long term, especially. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tim as this introduction on the seven ingredients gets underway. Well, you know, we're kind of on this track right now to kind of explain who RevThink is, what RevThink came from. That last podcast we did was so fun, doing the avocado toast. We thought we'd continue the conversation and really go in deep on the seven ingredients. We talk about it so much. So Joel and I are together, and we're just going to spend some time here today discussing the seven ingredients and turn this into a web series so that um, each of the ingredients, the overall concepts are all brought together. And uh, you, the listener, can have a chance to listen to them all at once or over a series of time. Yeah, we get asked a lot about the seven ingredients. And it, I think in a way, this is almost like a wake up call um, for us because we're, we're of course sort of live and breathe this concept all the time. We're so close to it that for us, it's like, Oh, it's just sort of our native tongue. But a lot of times people will ask you, what, what, what do you mean by production? You mean this, right? And often our answer is no, 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 no. What we, <laughs> what we actually mean by that is, or by marketing, you mean sales, right? And so on and so forth. And, so for us, in a way, this is our answer to say, you know, let's create a, let's create a, a repository of this vocabulary so that everyone listening can understand really what the seven ingredients are. And of course, more importantly, what's the benefit of understanding them and seeing where you fall short uh, and what's, where's the opportunity to grow in those areas and why would that make a difference to your business? So here's my, my question that I want, I want to start with though is where did the idea originate because I'm thinking back to a whiteboard that we were in front of years ago. That's this crazy diagram and mess. (laughs) So yeah, if you remember, it was truly the first 
ever, everyone at RevThink get together in a room and discuss, you know, how to deal with the issues and um, that our clients are dealing with, right. and then how do we want to accomplish that? And then I believe naively we went in that thinking we can delegate out the work. So like, Joel, you're good at this. Let's put, give you some of that responsibility. Tim, you're good at this. So we needed to stand in front of a whiteboard and discuss, well, what are these problems our clients are solving? And we simply went around the room and anybody that had an, a problem they were solving or can think of a problem we're solving, we put that on a whiteboard. And we had, and I have really bad handwriting, so the whiteboard was <laughs> right. very messy. But it was really just beginning with all of the problems that we deal with right. um, as a company. So let me do this. So I'll skip ahead real quick just to mention sort of the output of that yeah. discovery. And then we can sort of backfill. That's right. Because I know by the time we were done, we were stepping back and we realized, interesting, there's actually seven buckets of or areas of business that everyone has to master in order to be successful, in order to thrive and be sustainable and so forth. And I guess we should list them off and then we can kind of then go back and say, but how, why was it even seven? Sure. Why wasn't it six? Why wasn't it eight? And so on and so forth. So we realized that there was creative. That's one of the first ingredient and kind of we'll, we'll explain why that's significant as the first one. There's production, there's marketing, then sales, finance, operations and entrepreneurship. And I think I got all seven. Yep. Is it all seven? Now the, we even tried to, if you remember, we tried to name like the seven dwarves at one point, sleazy, right? That was the sales guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. We were having fun when we realized there were seven of them. Yeah. We said, maybe they're like the seven dwarves. And we, we explored actually using that as sort of the, I don't know, personification, I guess of yeah, each ingredient. And it was kind of fun for there for a moment. So when I think back to, to that exercise and, and sort of the discovery of why it was seven was first off, we said, okay, well, obviously every creative entrepreneur starts a business based on creative. Like I'm a creative person and I have this creative skill. And I think the, probably the most common pattern is I graduated from college. I went to work for company XYZ. I probably went freelance and now I'm going to start my own business because I have this creative talent. And often this is where the creative entrepreneur starts and thinks, well, this is what it takes to be successful. And then the rude awakening starts to unfold. But how, do, how does it unfold? Yeah, the, the other pattern that we see is um, someone won a creative project or they have a client and a client called them and said, hey, will you take this project on? And they take on that first project and they're a creative, therefore they're in a creative business. Sometimes even partnerships are created saying, I could do 2D, you can do 3D, the two of us will become partners for this one project. And then as we know, sometimes those partnerships last many, many years for yeah. that, first, that first creative need. Yeah. Well, when I think back to that, that whiteboard, we had stuff all over the place because we were, I think, looking at companies that were small, companies that were large, and just asking the question, what does it really take? What are the sort of the elements that make these businesses work. And we, th we were like, okay, there's things like uh, HR and hiring and recruiting and then there's taxes and then there's legal. And we were like, oh, I think that's actually sort of one big category that we now call operations. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I could obviously go a lot further into that. But I think that was sort of the recognition as we put up all these crazy needs that there were dozens and dozens, and then they started to fall into these general seven categories. Yeah, so to go off the, the idea of how companies are started, another way companies are started is when a creative person has a project, and then the next thing they know they need is a producer. So they say, so clearly there must be at least two categories. There's the creative person solving the creative problems and then the producer or production person solving the production problems. Right. So those first two ingredients become very obvious because if you've ever had a project, you know those are at least two things you're dealing with as a creative entrepreneur. Um, and that evolution starts to grow even more because once you start a business, start a company, the next thing you need is even more projects. So somewhere in there, those two people probably start email spamming everybody they know, and they start doing outreach to new clients. And, so I, bet, and I bet they build a website, right? They start being active on social media, and then that leads to conversations with actual people, with actual needs, and now we're talking about, oh, we just moved from marketing into sales. So maybe let's do this. Let me ask you. So you, I think you jumped out a step there real quick oh, because sure. that production person, that first website, the email, that's the marketing portion of it. Yeah, sure. And then once you generate those leads to close those leads is the sales part of it. So naturally companies from the very beginning, first project do creative, they have to take on production and then to survive, they type, they start doing marketing work and then they wrap that into closing new projects and doing sales work. So those first four come very naturally to a lot of companies. And, and I'm, I'm laughing, uh, chuckling, when I think about you're the one who always says to people who go, wait a minute, sales, marketing, isn't that kind of the same thing? And you say what? Oh, I know sales and marketing are different because they're spelled differently. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so let me, let's do this. I want to ask each other to, let's give a little definition. Because we walked, you know, I mentioned the list of those seven ingredients. But what, what are each of them? We'll, we'll describe each of them. But maybe even before we do that, do you tell me sort of there's these three broad areas that the seven describe that is, I think, maybe will help people understand like, oh, so sure, to run a business, you have to have work. But in order to have work, you have to have opportunities. But then there's this whole like, just yes. running the business side. So what's interesting is, is those first four come very naturally. And then, um, you know, to kind of continue the thought, once you have revenue in house and you have costs against that revenue, that's what doing a project is, um, the beginning of money, dealing with money problems. And in our first whiteboard in, um, session, we could identify money issues, but some of those money issues are production oriented. And I believe that there is a transition in all business owners' mind where they realize I can't run my business the way I run projects. <clears throat> and just because I'm profitable on a project doesn't mean I'm profitable in the business. So there becomes this other kind of aching thought, the 2 a.m. issue, where's my money going? Yeah. Or I can look at all this profit, all the projects, but I don't have the money to run my business. And that's beginning really the uh, thought of what it takes to run a business. So these last three ingredients are tying together um, bridges between 
production and creative and marketing and sales and, and, and those, clients. And those and last three being what? The, just, yeah, so those last them. three are, um, so like finance, which is the overall financial picture. Everything from bringing on a project, bidding it, cost related to it, all the way through in the entire finance pipeline, which there's many, many pieces to it, to capturing corporate profit and then how to reinvest corporate profit into your personal life or into the, into the business life. You know, they take, they move on to realizing that money is related everywhere from the, from the project to the corporate side. And those money issues take a big picture idea of how money is processed. And we call that finance mm -hmm. as a, as the next ingredient. Um, of course, as any business grows, it becomes more comp complicated and you need systems and routines to manage the business. And that's the operational agreement. And that last one really in business management is you, the entrepreneur, and what it takes and what the pieces are to keep the business going. How do you create vision and intention? And we, we like to, to talk about the entrepreneurial formula. How do you always deal with the constant change and constant movement of your business? Okay, so I think it would be helpful now that everyone's thinking, okay, I have a sense of what you mean. I think I heard that list of those seven ingredients. Maybe just to be really uh, simple and really clear, let's just go through them and, and say, what do we mean by creative? What do we mean by production and so forth? Okay, so if you want me to start, I think of uh, the way we define creative as I say it this way, it's, it's the work, it's the creative work. So that often is expressed as the capability of your team and it's the work that you produce. Is it award-winning? Is it amazing? Is it creative? Is it great? And that's where, that's where everybody starts. So that's how I would say we define the uh, ingredient of creative. And now you get, you get to tell us about production. Yeah, so when you take the output of the company as creative, and then you're processing that through your company. That's the production piece of it. So we like to talk about production being the process of uh, guiding the clients, managing the client's expectations, as well as managing the internal resources to get that project on, actualizing that, maintaining that, um, understanding the splits between uh, costs that you can control on a project-by-project -project basis and costs related to running the business separately. That's the production ingredient which you've lived that life <laughs> being the producer that you were <laughs> these in the gray life. hairs come from yeah, that exactly. part of my life. Okay. So I guess I'm next with marketing. Um, marketing is a really interesting ingredient because there's a lot of confusion right around people don't really understand what, what marketing is and the way we define it is that marketing is your positioning. So how you express your brand and what your company is about to the world. It's also publicity, so it's creating exposure, generating awareness. It's outreach even. So this sounds like sales, but outreach, like cold outreach especially, is really a marketing function. And then there's laying the foundation for sales. So how are you actually speaking to the world about your expertise in a way that lays the foundation so that when sales picks up that conversation, it's ready to make the most of the opportunities that are out there. So yeah. now what is, what do we mean by sales? Yeah. We, and we love to talk about marketing before sales because when marketing does its job, sales can more easily do their job. 
Um, and many people, because they have a salesperson, that person does marketing and sales, we try to take the pressure off of the marketing side because there's a many, many opportunities in the market side, marketing side and understand what the sales responsibilities are so that when you're asking for output of a salesperson, you really want to know from a sales side and the sales ingredient, what is that sales pipeline? Like what are the possible leads that you're generating? How do I manage and understand those leads? And then what other information can I get from those leads in your sales pipeline? But you also, the salesperson has d different eyes and ears on the business. They could ask the client uh, different questions about engagement. And there's a need to hear and process from the sales side what it takes to win new business. So winning new business as well as retaining those clients and holding on to those clients so we can stimulate repeat business from those clients. That's the work of sales. Holding on to those engagements, creating those engagements, and projecting those engagements are all part of sales um, where the other pieces are, are marketing. So I'm chuckling thinking now how you want me to talk about finance? Maybe I should take it. <laughs> but, but you know what? The next one is operations, and you're definitely the guy to talk about operations. So <laughs> listen to me for a little while. Yeah. So I'll, 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 how about this? I'll give a, an introduction to finance, but I'll let you sort of take, take it from there because I know I won't, I won't speak to everything that you might mention. But I'm just going to briefly say that finance is the ingredient that we define as measuring, reporting, and projecting money. Mm -hmm. So that's very simply put, but now you can elaborate and be like, no. yeah, but what we mean by that is that's such a brilliant way of, of recognizing and saying it because again, most companies know to do that on a project by project basis, right? They know how to measure the money, the, the money the client gave them and the expenses that went out. And even the basic encouragement of projecting what, the, how that money flows to their company would already be an improvement on a project. So not only to say, where have we spent the money, but project for the remainder of the project, how to continue as one of those tipping points we discovered in our, our, operating, our creative operating system that we give our clients. But here's the, here's the key is, is it's that moment where the clients ask me, where did my money go? That I started having to recognize that overall, corporately, is a finance system you have to put in place so you can predetermine and determine how money should be spent in order to finance goals and objectives, to project out really how you're doing and to make um, big decisions so that your company stays in business. It's not just a series of projects that keep the company going, but it's an overall financial picture and corporate picture that you have to have in mind. And finance is that tipping point in the growth of a business that you start recognizing there's something bigger here to accomplish than just the series of projects my production, sales, and creative team could put together. Yeah, there's, a, there's always a moment in an owner's eyes <clears throat> that when they hear that idea of a series of projects doesn't make a business, and when they're small, they are like, wait, what? There's something deep down inside that we know that's true. But I think it's very easy to get stuck in this idea when you're small and you're just doing project after project after project. And you say, I've got a business now. But from a finance standpoint, there's way more going on. I thought you were going to say uh, there's a moment in every business owner's mind where they realize that the 2 a.m. issue isn't logging into the banking account to determine how much money they have left. But there's a larger system that they can play it out because there is all of us business owners, even myself as a business owner, 
had that time where I was only managing my company, logging into Wells Fargo and figuring out what my bank balance was. And to change all of that so that you can, one, just rest through the night, take care of the 2 a.m. issue and not make it a 2 a.m. issue. Yeah. Do something routinely on a weekly basis, not a daily or hourly basis. It was already a gigantic move that some business owners don't even can believe it's true. But to recognize that finance is what creates your future, mastering this ingredient is the beginning of mastering the best way to deal with the future is to create it. Well, I, I, I love that because I'm just thinking of how many times we've worked with owners and really cured them of that habit of, well, I log into my bank account and that's how I know where we're at. And of course, there's so much more there and there's so much freedom and opportunity to be realized once you master that. Okay, so now I wanna ask you, what do we mean by operations? Because that's gotta be about the most vague term in of all the seven ingredients. And it's probably the one, because I'm guilty of this, that when I first started to learn about operations many, many years ago run, running a company, I was like, what do you mean by, what does that even mean? And I'm almost embarrassed to admit it because now I understand how important and how big it is. Mm -hmm. But what do, we, what do we mean by operations? Well, operations is close to my heart because when I moved out of production, I became the head of operations at Imaginary Forces. It was the beginning of me asking bigger corporate questions myself. And the image I had in mind was a vending machine. Like I wanted production and creative to walk up to this vending machine I made, press buttons, and the candy just comes out. They don't recognize all the need to count the money behind the scenes and that little squirrely spring thing that pushes the stuff forward, <laughs> or even the need to stock the vending machine ahead of time proactively so that it can keep on coming. So for me, like that image of making systems that play out so as you need them, you can call them up and have them work, and it keeps you going on track the entire time was the challenge I loved to take on. And I really, really loved that process. Well, I don't think I've ever actually heard you give that mental picture. It's great. So if I'm walking up to the operations vending machine, what are the actual levers I'm pulling? What are the goodies I'm getting from the machine? Yeah. So the things that tie the company together that are big picture that have to be in place, you know, uh, something like legal, you have to have the legal terms in place, even the legal process of your partnership, which a lot of partners don't have that in place, such a big picture item that when you don't, if you don't need it yet, you're fine. But the minute you need it, you better have had that in the vending oh, machine man. or you'll have never in place. Um, facilities, just um, how the place runs, who's doing the dishes, who's cleaning the toilets, all the way to really like um, where is the machine room, how that might work, technology, those issues right. that so are, are part of servers and That's IT right. and... Yeah, you know, you need to have more the idea, of, so this is the idea of systems and routines to be able to have the right number of check-ins at the right time so that your taxes are in place mm. or even your human resources are being developed so you can do recruiting retaining clients. So again, th that's a very obvious thing walking up to the operations vending machine. I need somebody for this project. Where's it going to come from? And if you are proactive in building systems out so that there's always people in the pipeline, as the project comes up, you can more likely say yes to that client. I can take that on because I've developed these resources, these operations to grow and expand and take care of the issues that come up project by project. So to an owner listening right now, I'm betting that when you and I say legal, facilities, taxes, HR, insurance, all this, you know, all these things, 
they think, wait, there's somebody who does that? And I think the short answer is yes, there actually are people in the world who have as their genius operations because that's probably one of the messiest areas that never gets defined. And the owner is in all these crazy messes and meetings trying to handle all this stuff. And he really has, really has no, or she has no business being there. (laughs) Oh, and I, you have to just recognize that I'm a total nerd when it comes to this. So when I, um, you know, I had to survive when I lived in Hawaii for a while. And I, one of the places I worked was Subway sandwiches. And Subway was the promise of a one-minute sandwich. So the time that you ordered, this, the sandwich can be made in one minute. So clearly you aren't baking the bread when the sandwich is ordered. Or you can't cut all the cold cuts before that's done. Right. So the process to prep the board, right, so the sandwich can be made, is the beginning of it. And I would say in our metaphor, that is the creative process that most of our clients recognize. I ordered something, you can get it done. But the thought is, it went even deeper that I loved was that from the cash register on what people purchased, there was a system in place to pre-order and fill the refrigerator that then your, your back team, your team in the back of the room could process and build all those containers so mm. that the sandwiches keep on coming. So having that experience as a young man to take over operations was, I, would, I always thought to myself, like the vending machine or the one minute sandwich, what are the pieces that have to come together? And now each company, what their output is, what their creative genius is about, if you're doing websites, if you're a live action company, those ingredients or those pieces are all going to be different. You have to master different types of services in order to do operations for each company. So it's not cut and dry, but overall as an ingredient, we want people to know that there's there's this last discipline in running the business that really ties the pieces together. And then moving from reactionary to proactive is the work of operations. The last ingredient really is the, the bow around the box. And um, I'm going to hand this off to you because being an entrepreneur for 20 years, you, your gray hairs come from this. My gray hairs come from being a producer. <laughs> but you know, it's those, um, those big picture items of what it takes to be an entrepreneur for this last ingredient, entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, this ingredient, I think you said it well with it being sort of the bow that ties the whole thing together because entrepreneurship is obviously where you start. Like when you very first start a business to have that, that boldness and the guts, the grit to, to go out on your own. You obviously have to have some understanding of entrepreneurship and the risks, the potential rewards uh, and all that go with that. But as you evolve through the seasons of a, the creative firm, which is a topic unto itself or another, another podcast, the entrepreneurship ingredient grows and evolves and becomes much more important um, as your company grows and evolves as well. But when I think of entrepreneurship, the way I describe it is it's first of all, getting really clear about your genius, which is sort of the foundation of it all. It's also your capacity for leadership and growing as a leader, um, which is a, a journey for all of us as entrepreneur, entrepreneurs. It's your vision. It's not only do you have a vision, but are you able to relay it to others? Can you dream your dream into others? That's that secret sauce that of course, a lot of great entrepreneurs have. And then you can talk about these. I'm thinking about asset growth. Like as you move through your career, is your, is your company, is your business, are you growing something? You know, are you just um, 
getting, getting the check and moving on to the next project. And it's just a series of projects that one day you hand over the keys to the, to the, the office in the studio and you walk away or you're building something. And then of course, is there an exit strategy? And I know that's a fancy word, but maybe you, you tell me when you think of the term exit strategy, asset growth, what comes to mind? Yeah. So the, the way you define the it. key to the entrepreneurship ingredient is always be learning. And so the fact that you haven't stopped learning, most of that, again, is to respond and react to the company that you have, the needs of the company. And that idea of constant leadership growth is a necessity for it. But in that overall growth development that you're taking on in your lifetime, you know, over five years, 10 years, 20 years of being a business owner, there becomes a point where the growth that you've experienced, the education that you've experienced isn't being lived out in your own business. So your business becomes, uh, I don't know, like you become very dissatisfied with your business. It's not doing enough to satisfy all your personal growth and personal desires that you've developed over the years. And so some of that idea of asset growth is the beginning of thinking, how do you, how do you think beyond just this one company's capabilities, what else out there is available and what else should you be doing is that term of asset growth. And then lastly, exit strategy is recognizing just coming to terms with this company isn't going to satisfy all your needs, all your desires for your entire lifetime. And it's not going to last forever either. Every company is born and every company dies. Even though 20 years probably felt like a lifetime to you, you live beyond those 20 years. What do you do now? So, you know, again, another big topic. And if you're a follower of the podcast, you know that the four stages of a creative career are putting together some of that big picture and recognize that these seven ingredients are really only part of one stage, the auteur stage. And we want you to master the four stages of a creative career, but within our RevThink environment and the seven ingredients, we want you to master each of these seven ingredients so you have a way and a process, something you can lean on. And honestly, just terms that you and I can think of when we're talking to our clients that won't look like that crazy whiteboard that day because that whiteboard was a mess. And how do we put it together in such a way that we can actually have a communication? So the, the seven ingredients really to us and the reason why we have a Facebook group called The Seven Ingredients, why we refer to it so much is to have a common understanding from from consultant to client on where you are and and what kind of work you want to do. Yeah, actually, I'm excited because I know tomorrow we're doing a workshop for one of our clients here in Europe. And one of the things we'll go through, of course, is that very simple assessment of where are you in The Seven Ingredients? And you can learn a lot. And of course, um, hopefully identify some challenges and say, Hey, we got to fix these things, but also some strengths to build on and all that. Let's also mention to people listening that are wondering, well, where do I stand? Sure. How am I doing that? There's a tool that we have called benchmarking your creative firm. And it's a, what is it? Three or four page little self assessment that they can download and actually find out how they stack up. Because most owners kind of have this sense of, well, I think I'm okay in sales. I think I'm okay in production, but I'm not really sure how do I, how do, how does everybody else do it? And I think the tool is, is a nice way for people to get a sense of where are you at, but also the companies that are more mature, larger than you are, what, what do they know that I don't know? And it helps give a sense of that. Yeah, Joel, and I really appreciate that you and the team have developed this tool because um, it really starts pulling back the curtain, not only on to 
the user who's downloading the tool and processing um, where they might be and how well they're doing in the seven ingredients, but also pulls back the curtain on the areas that we can help develop. And you'll start to understand when we talk about our um, different conferences or different techniques or online classes, you can hear now and see where that development is necessary in each of those areas of business and where one or two of these uh, classes or assessments or engagements that we put out there are available to help you de develop that. So it's not only just a great tool for the clients to download, it's also just a great tool for us to recognize and help um, guide someone through the different uh, availability and tools and classes that we have. So if, if uh, someone's curious about that, they can go to revthink.com and search either seven ingredients, that's the number seven ingredients, or search the term benchmarking, and I think you'll you'll find that tool there. So this was the kickoff of this series. Are we calling this series the seven ingredients? I think we are. Sure. Okay. Um, but so for, for people that are going to tune in and listen to the next episodes, I think in the next episode, we're actually going to talk about the seasons of the creative firm. Then we will actually do an entire episode on each ingredient. So we'll do an episode on creative and then an episode on production and so on and so on and so on. So that's what we have to look forward to. And now you and I are on the hook because we just put it on the podcast and said, we're going to do it. So now we have to get it done. We should get it all done in the next two days while we're here in London. I know. Well, while we're together, it's so much easier. So, okay. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, bye for now from London and we'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Rev Thinking Podcast. For more information on upcoming accelerators, events, or to learn how RevThink advises creative entrepreneurs like you, connect with us at RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.